bless you this morning. I could have just stayed in that song like <laughs> for, for a long time. <laughs> I always marvel at how it is, marvel at how it is, that God divinely selects the songs that we're going to do for worship. Because I never look in the planning center and I, I don't know what songs are chosen. Or, and yet every single song sung today was so connected to the message today. And um, we're going to be reading out of Matthew's chapter 26. And while you look for that, the children are going to be heading in this direction for their, their classes, ages uh, 4 to 12, and nursery from 0 to 3. I have a lot of people taking their last vacation. And even in selecting vacations, I have to always stop and say, you know, God, uh, when am I going away? Because I don't want to miss one thing that you do. And God does so many awesome things in our lives. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss any of it. I want to thank all of you that were praying for my sister this week. And... God is so faithful, you know, in all that he does. And, and this was an interesting week because the same exact day, I had three people in my family going through procedures. The same exact day. I said, Lord, well, you got your hand on every single one of them. I trust you in this. I believe that you do incredible things. And so we pray with faith, believing God. And so um, thank you for those prayers. I, I think my sister has deposited enough prayers in God's bank that she could make a few withdrawals. And I think that's what we have to ask. How many deposits have I made in God's bank that I could faithfully make a withdrawal? Or, or am I asking for a loan or credit? That's what it comes down to. So I'm reading out of Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to start on verse 36. You know that song we were just singing uh, before, um, How He Loves Us? That song just totally threw me back to an experience that we had um, at RWC. We were singing that very same song. Some of you may remember. We had a wonderful experience with the Lord, and he, he took the church and he plopped us down. I don't know if you remember that, but. 
And I remember being in a very large room and I was just praising unto the Lord and I knew he was there and just it came back to me exactly like I experienced that I, I every little detail of it as I'm sitting there listening to Jay and I'm remembering that in that room that I was in that huge room I could feel things just floating in the air and I could hear Jay's voice being piped into the room as he was singing the song it sounded like it was piped in is was an incredible experience that I will never, ever forget. That's what it felt like to me. I felt that God took this church and he just lifted us up. And if you were in the spirit, you felt the, the hit of, of the sanctuary as it hit. And like Pastor said, I felt like I had been transported to heaven. I knew God was there. And I knew he was taking pleasure while we was doing it. I was opening the doors wide and I was yelling at the congregation. Come, come and see how much he loves us. Come, come and see. It was an absolutely incredible experience. And those are experiences that I live for. Because in my time of trouble, what, I, what I'm going to pull on are my experiences with God. In my time of difficulty and my challenges, I'm going to pull on my experiences with God. If you have no experiences with God, you have nothing to pull on. And so what, what winds up happening is you look for someone that has had an experience in God and say, could you like, can I like tag team with you? And can you do something with your prayer that could affect me because I'm tag teaming, I'm holding on to you and let whatever God gives you be transmitted to me. And that's what happens. But we need to pray for our own personal experiences with God. But I'm ahead of myself. Let me, let me read the word. And I'm reading Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36. And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 36. Right? Then Jesus went up with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it. That, that word unless is so important. Unless I drink it, you will, your will be done. And again he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See the hour is at hand. 
and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. That's an incredible chapter. May God bless it in our lives. Such, such a chapter on love, really. Because at any point, Jesus could have said, I'm really done with these people. They're not, they're not worth this supreme sacrifice. But he didn't do that. You know, that, that's love. That's, that's the real love. And, you know, this week we started in our cottage nights, we started the series on crazy love. Right? Those of you, I hope you've been reading the book. It, it is thought-provoking to think about the love of God and what we think is the love of God and what really is the love of God. Sometimes it's not at the same level. It makes us even think how we love God. And so here in this, in this beautiful place, in this garden, which if, if you've been to Israel, you've been to Gethsemane, it is the most peaceful, the most beautiful place, as strange as it is, with, with trees that look like they're thousands of years old. They're all twisted and bent. And, and truly, you go there and you just want to hug a tree, you know, because it's, it's straight out of the word. And, and as you're as you seeing it, you're seeing yourself and you're saying, Jesus walked here. You know, and, and Jesus prayed here. And the selection of this hour and this time being this garden is so, per, you know, it's, it's, it, it has a purpose to it. It's so deliberate in the selection. It's not just any place. He could have been anywhere. He could have just stayed in the upper room and not gone through the trouble. Could have prayed there just like any other place. But the selection of this garden has purpose. And so we, we begin this chapter just looking at Jesus. And he, oh, I didn't tell you the title of, of this message. I, I forgot. The title is, Can You Pray With Me A Little? Can you pray with me a little? And so Jesus is here at this garden waiting for the start of the end. He's, he's really waiting for the start of the end of his assignment, his mission, his purpose for coming. So this is going to be the most difficult thing that Jesus has done in 33 years of his time with us. Now, think about that. Now, I, I thought maybe being born was a difficult thing. Just totally reducing yourself to the size of a cell and being born and going through the birth experience. You, you look at these little babies' faces, they're not happy. They're all scrunched up and they are not happy. And so you think that must be a difficult thing to be born. But I, I think in this case, as we, as we read the scripture, we realize that the way that Jesus had to die on our behalf was really the most difficult thing. And more difficult than anything is his having a clear understanding of every single thing that was going to happen to him during this process. 
putting myself in a human context, I would have been doing the, the matrix number. And every time I saw the slap coming, I would have been moving out of the way in slow motion. You, you understand? He knew exactly when every slap was going to hit, when every punch was going to hit, when every pulling of hair and beard was coming. He knew every strike of every punch. He knew the strike of every whip. And yet he stayed and endured. He stayed in place and endured. This is the Jesus that we love. No one, as much as we love our children, I don't know any one of us that would have gone through what Jesus went through in order to be able to save our children for all eternity. Seriously, I really don't. I love my children like crazy, but I don't know. If I was put in that same predicament, what would I do? Because our natural tendency is to preserve this. We know. We want to preserve our lives as long as we can. We will do whatever it takes to preserve ourselves. See? But we have no control over the timing of our bodies. We don't. We have control over taking care of our bodies, but we don't have any control over the timing of when we depart this earth. No control. So here, knowing what's going to happen, he still endures. He goes to Gethsemane. He takes his disciples with him who have been with him for three years. And he goes and he tells them, can you pray with me? Now, I, I could see the scene in the scripture, and he's going back and forth and back and forth. You ever prayed when you were under pressure? You ever pray when you're under pressure? Maybe, maybe not too many of us have. Maybe I need to pray for some pressure moments in this congregation. When you're under pressure, you feel that you can't even sit still, stay, you know, stay still, lay still. You're up and around and you're talking to God constantly because you're in a moment of pressure and you know that in that moment of pressure, you need an answer and you need it right away. See, and so I could see Jesus going back and forth through that garden, going to his disciples and waking them up. What do we do when we have moments of suffering and affliction? What do we do when we're suffering physically, when we're suffering mentally, when we're suffering spiritually? Oh, yes. You can be having spiritual battles in your life because there is an enemy that's out to get you and wants you. And so there's this tug of war going on in our lives. And unless we make a decision to follow Jesus and come under the care and the protection of Jesus, we find ourselves in a predicament because we find ourselves as vulnerable to the enemy and his attacks. This, this is just a reality. I'm giving you a reality check today. So what do we do during those moments of suffering? What do we do? You know, I, I've, I've been watching my sister going through her, um, her moment of challenge. And um, the only purpose that I'm there for is to remind her of God's faithfulness. And that's what I do. 
Every time she feels that little stirring, I, I tell her, remember God's faithfulness. Remember he's always present. Remember he's in charge of our lives. Remember that everything that we go through is with divine purpose. We who know God believe this, that everything that goes in my life, everything that happens through my life is with a divine purpose. And that's what I focus on. And I say, God, what is your purpose in my going through this? What is your purpose? And remember, the, word, the, the crucial words here is through this. God has never made any season in our life to be permanent. Just think about the seasons that we have, right? Summer, fall, winter, spring. He's never made any season, any storm that is never ending. Our storms are time limited. And so what he does is he gives us the strength to get through them. And when we get through them, we're able to see the glory of God on the other end. And we're able to say, had it not been for God, had it not been for God, had it not been for God, I would have never gotten through this. See, had it not been for God. This is why we need our own personal prayer relationship. This is why. Jesus always was teaching us. Even at this moment, he was teaching us. He's teaching us about uh, our dependence on other people for prayer. He was teaching us even then. Even in his challenge, he's teaching us that it is a wonderful thing to come together in prayer. But let me tell you, you ever ask anybody to pray for you, and, and they'll pray for you while they remember it. And it's not, it's not intentionally because they, they don't feel like praying for your request, but it's because their lives are moving and spinning as well. And so they'll remember your prayer for that moment that you ask them for prayer. They will pray with you. See, I always had this little black book, and I found it the other day. I'm going to start using it again. But in this little black book, I used to write all the uh, petitions that people had. And when petitions were answered, I would put a little check next to it. And that helped me remember every prayer that I was making on behalf of individuals. So I found my little book the other day. I said, oh, here you go. We got to use you again. See? And so he's teaching us. And through this series of verses, he's teaching us a few things. That he understands, verse uh, 39, he understands that it's possible for God to take us out of a situation. He's telling us, if it's possible, right? He says, let, it, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless. Not as I will, but as you will. So he has an understanding that, I, you know, God could easily send angels on my behalf to rescue me from this. But if you choose for me to go through this, then it, let, let it be your will and not my own. See, because if we're able to allow God to tell us his will and hear his will and we do his will, then you know what? He's meeting us at the other end of this challenge that we're going through. He's waiting for us at the end of it. He's walked through it with us and he's right there at the end. And so it is for us to, to really have an understanding that God could get us out of illness. He can get us out of financial need. He could get us out of relational problems. He can do all of this. But what if God chose for divine purposes, 
for you to go through your illness, for you to continue to pray and serve God, and you still have a husband that gives you a heart attack every so often, or you have a wife that really drives you to the brink, and he says, you know what? I've chosen for you to continue in this because I'm showing you something through this. And at the end of it, you will see me glorified through your life. Wow. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? What is it worth it for you to see the glory of God in your lives? The second time he goes around to see where the disciples are, he prays and he says, my father, if this cannot, if this cannot pass, Unless I drink it. If this cannot pass, unless I drink it. So you know what? The quicker you get me through this, Lord, the quicker I'll be out. And so, Lord, instead of me fighting and buckling and yelling at you, because why am I going through this sickness? Why am I going through this relationship problem? Why are my children disobedient? Instead of my arguing with God like that, I should be saying, oh, Lord. Just help me get through this as quick as I can. Help me get through this, Lord. Get the strength that comes through God to get through all of these situations in your life. The bottom line is you can't do anything about your husband. The bottom line, I'm telling you the bottom line, you can't do anything about your wife. The bottom line is you can't do anything about your children that are disobedient and refuse to serve God. Can I tell you? You can't do anything about it. This day and age, children that are underage are still telling their parents what they're going to do and not do. Not, not, in my, not in my age. Not, no. My mother would have told me where to go and when. No such thing as I'm telling my parent what I am and not going to do. But the age that we're living in right now, these are the things that happen. So the bottom line is we have no control over any of these things. There's only one person who can have control over our lives, our marriages, our children, our jobs. Oh, God, I hate this job. You apparently are there for a reason to fulfill an assignment, and until you don't fulfill your assignment, you're not going anywhere. You're not getting that promotion that you should have gotten. You're not getting that new job you keep applying for. You're not going nowhere until you finish your assignment. Because as children of God, we know that. As children of God, we understand that wherever God takes us and wherever he places us, it's with divine purpose. See? So instead of you constantly fussing about your boss and fussing about your coworker and fussing about your workload, oh, yes. Oh, listen, been there, done that, have the T-shirt to prove it. Instead of fussing about all that stuff, say, Lord, what is my assignment here? Lord, if it pleases you, I'll drink this cup, but Lord, can you just help me get through this a little quicker? Tell me what's my assignment. I will obediently follow your assignment. You'll be amazed where God puts you for specific times in your life because someone is going to need a word. And when your assignment is over, God picks you up and he moves you to another place. And you'll say, wow, God, thank you for this blessing. This is a better job. Look, I have my own office. Wow, I don't have to share. I got the pay that I wanted, that I felt I deserved. It's all because we have learned to be obedient to God 
and we've learned to submit and surrender our lives to him. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to him. And if that is the case, then I have to be willing to walk through wherever God places me and stay put until God tells me to move on. Stay put. We miss so many things in our lives, so many blessings, so many opportunities. You know, just when God is, is, is touching the hearts of our, our spouses and, and our children and is ready to make that change, we say, I give up. I'm done with this. And we step away from God. And he says, you were one step away from your prayer being answered. You know what would happen to us if God told us that every single time we stepped away from a prayer request? Do you know, we'd be crying bitter tears. We'd be crying all over the place. We'd be dragging ourselves in here. Seriously, if we had the opportunity to see how many of our prayers were on the precipice of being answered, but they didn't get answered because we walked away from God. We said, oh, no, not your will, my will. Let my will be done. God, you're not taking care of this. I'm going to take care of this. And we wind up making situations so much worse in our lives because we wanted to handle, not your will, Lord, but my will. Not your will, but my will. Think about that. Think about that. So he's teaching us about our dependence on others, you know, for prayer. And he's teaching us about depending on our own prayer as well. Our prayer network is the most wonderful thing that we've had where we can put out prayer requests and God is answering. Sometimes I wish that we would like make a book of all the prayer requests because I, every time I hear how God is answering here, there, all these wonderful prayers have been answered. And that is a wonderful thing. But don't put all of your dependence on others praying for you and you not praying for yourself. Do you understand? You need to have that relationship with God that allows you to come. Like, like Jesus, he's at this garden, but he was in such an intimate conversation with God the Father. He was in such a conversation, you know, about his assignment. And you need and I need that kind of a prayer relationship. We need that. Because that's the only way I'm going to know the will of God. That is the only way that I'm going to know how to pray effectively in my life. The, the scripture tells us that sometimes we don't even know how to pray for ourselves. Have you ever kneeled down to pray and you don't even know what to say or what to talk to God about? You're like kind of there. You're like, um, you go through this whole list of things to pray. Then you start praying the, the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. We can't, even, we can't even think what to say to God. The Spirit, the Scripture tells us, the Holy Spirit of God teaches us and helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. That's why we need the Spirit of God in our lives. You'll hear many teachings that the Spirit of God, that was over in the first century of the church. Lies, lies, and more lies. The Spirit of God is alive and well in this day and age, the spirit of God continues to speak to us, to counsel us, to when, when we're in the midst of our suffering, he embraces us. He loves us. He's counseling us constantly if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to hear him. 
See, and so the Spirit of God helps us to pray. The Spirit of God helps us to understand the Word. This is the absolute Word of God. How many of you are in agreement with me that this is the absolute Word of God? The Scripture tells us. It is written by men, men inspired by God, right? Crossing all kind of cultural lines from kings to slaves. This, this is an amazing word. It's a prophetic book. Just, just with the life of Jesus, 300 prophecies were fulfilled. Do you know what's 300 prophecies? Are you still waiting on your one prophetic word that was, yeah, you received from somebody? Are you still waiting on one prophetic word? 300 prophetic words came to pass just with the birth, life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's not done because when he comes again, it's going to fulfill a number of other prophecies. But this is a prophetic book. Every single prophetic word that's been written in this book has come to pass and is waiting to come to pass. This is the absolute. See, there's no other book that any man has penned with ink that can compare to the word of God. None. Every answer for every situation in your life is found in the Holy Bible of God. That's the absolute truth. See? And so... For me to be able, what, what was that? What was that last song we sang that said, uh, "Oh, rainmaker, hold that thought, rainmaker, in rain." I, I called it rain. I was into rain. He makes rain. He's a rainmaker. I was saying rainmaker, rainmaker, because I'm thinking of the desert. I'm serious. In my desert moments. I needed a little rain. I was saying rainmaker, miracle way. I, I, I don't know. What was it? Waymaker? Hey, where's the words? Could you put them up? <laughs> it was raining in my desert. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm in the desert and I just, I'm so parched. I just need a drop of God's rain to fall on my tongue. Oh, you ever been that thirsty? We're not thirsty enough. Well, look at that. I don't know how I kept seeing Rainmaker. That was for me. That was something spiritual for me. I, I, I'm telling you, whoa, that was for you. Some of you that are in the desert right now, you're so dry. You don't even realize you become a mummy. No, no. Hey, hey, way make miracle worker. When was the last time God worked a miracle in your life or a miracle in, in the life of someone that you know, a child, a relative, a friend? When was the last time you saw him working as a miracle worker? Oh, this is a good thing. It's going to change your life when you're seeing God work in that way. It changes your life because you're able to see all the possibilities in God that you took for granted. See? The disciples, don't, don't, don't take it off yet. The disciples, they spent three years with Jesus. They felt secure and safe enough to just fall asleep. Secure in being able to sleep. Oh, Jesus got this. He got this. I ain't got to worry about nothing. I'm just going to go to sleep here. And how many of us don't live like these disciples? I don't have to worry. I don't have to pray. I don't have to do none of this. Jesus knows what I need. I don't even have to tell him. He knows what I need. The Holy Spirit is here to fulfill my every dream. You know, 
Oh, let me rub on that, uh, on that lamp. Let me get the genie called Holy Spirit to come out. Doesn't work that way, my brothers and my sisters. We have to be alert. So what do you think happened? They're all sleeping over there in the garden in the middle of the dark. And the soldiers come with the lamps and they come to take Jesus. You ever woken up from a sound sleep? You running around like a chicken without a head. You're bumping into things. There comes Peter. He pulling out the sword. He totally missed because I don't think he was aiming for an ear. But that's what he winded up getting. You know, there's mass confusion in the midst of darkness. Mass confusion. But he's our light. You took the words away. He's our light. Just when I was pointing to it. I'm going to stay like this, like McPherson, for three days. Light in the darkness. Oh, yes. Go and read the autobiography of, uh, or the biography of uh, Amy McPherson. How she's pointing at the congregation and she stood like that for three days. Just stood like that. Just, right? Oh, yes. And when three days were up, she kept right on preaching where she had left off. She didn't even realize she was gone for three days. Miracle worker, huh? Awesome stuff. And in those three days, the news got out and everybody's running to the church. Running, running, running. This is awakening. This is when an awakening happens. Revival is when the Holy Spirit visits the church. An awakening is when God's people and people that don't know God are having an, a supernatural experience that brings them to the Lord. That's, that's what it's a, an awakening. And that's what happened then. So he's the light in darkness. He's a promise keeper. This Bible is so full. It's chock full of. Chock full of nuts is a heavenly coffee. You remember that commercial? That just came out of nowhere. Oh, man. Do, do they even make that coffee anymore? I, I don't even know. That was a good commercial. It endured the test of time because it, we still remember it, right? This Bible is full, chock full of promises for you and for me. And he's a promise keeper. But if you don't know the promises of God, if you don't read his word, you don't know to ask for the promises of God. You don't know how to rely on the promises of God. You don't know how to claim the promises of God. So as you pray, you say, God, you promised, you said, you told us, you promised, and I'm standing on my promise. But if you don't know the promises of God, you're standing on your own, on your own. And we all know what happens when we stand on our own. The scripture tells us in Luke chapter 7. Verse, let's, let's start with verse 46. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I love this. And I'm going to tell you that question too. 
Why do you call him Lord, Lord, and don't do what he tells you to do? You have to personalize the word. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. See, this, this, this is it right here. You have to hear his words and you have to do them. He says, then I will show you what he is like. Am I in, isn't it Luke 7? I'm in Luke chapter 6. I must have been reading something in Luke chapter 7. I don't know. Right? I'm going to start again because some of you are still looking. Are we all in the right chapter now? All right. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. He dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Just like this sanctuary. I think um, Tom Brownback, you told me one time how many feet down they went for this sanctuary. I can't remember it. Who remembers? See, now you're going to make me look for that. Yeah, they dug deep to create the foundation for this sanctuary. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So there are foundations that we need in our Christian walk. And one of those foundations is prayer. One of those foundations, you have to dig deep to bring that foundation, the stability that it needs. And so prayer cannot be based on our comfort. Right? It can't be based on our, on our, on our comfort because we don't want to come and pray. We don't want to kneel. We don't want to lift a hand. We don't want to have to pray. Oh, you know, I'm missing my show. You know, I'm, what comes on at 8 o'clock and I'm still here praying. Okay, God, you know, when is this over? You know, we have to set a foundation in our lives, and one of them is prayer. And another deep foundation is faith. We have to, we have, to have this. And so I encourage you, every Friday we're here, 7.30 to 8.30, and we're true to that hour. We don't do anything else but pray. We pray. And so if you need to start building up a prayer life, I'm going to tell you what Jesus told the disciples. Can you pray with me a little? Because you're going to find that as you continue to pray, your five minutes are going to go to 10. And before you know it, you're praying 20 minutes and you didn't even realize it. Because now you're not just praying to God. You're having conversation with God. And as you speak to God, he will respond to you. That's why in prayer, you can't just talk at God. You can't do that. You talk to God. And you take a pause and you wait to hear what God has to tell you. And sometimes when I'm praying like that, the Lord will bring me a scriptural passage 
And I, I just go to my Bible and I look it up and I say, yes, Lord. He communicates to you through his word. He communicates to you through the testimonies of others. He communicates to you through the word that is preached. He communicates to you through the words that are taught. Oh, yes, we have Bible study here every Wednesday. You want to grow firm in your foundation in Christ? You need to know his word. You need to know about him. You need to know about his promises for us. You need to know about what's coming. This is the wonderful thing about God. He always tells us exactly what's going to happen. Do you know that? But if you don't read his word, you might not know that. You remember? Well, that's right. Did you hear what Tom said? Tom, here, I'm going to come over here because I think that's important. So we can know. So what I was told was that because the foundation underneath this was a garbage dump for years, and they didn't want to take any chance of this foundation, of this building cracking, so they went down as far for the foundation as they have for the height of the building. Yes, can you imagine that? And if you will look today, you will see no cracks all these years later. So they got a solid foundation, and that's why we have to study our Bibles. Thank you. Thank you for the bridge. Thank you. <laughs> so that, that's, that's pretty deep. So we can say that structurally this church is filled on solid foundation. And internally, internally, spiritually, this church is built on a foundation that is his word. Strong on the foundation of Christ. So nothing could sway us. Nothing. All the stuff happening outside these doors will not sway us. We will stay focused on the Lord and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So where was I? Oh, I was reading about the foundation. So that's important. Foundation. What is your foundation built on? Uh-huh. Who? Tanya, come here, baby. We're having an interactive uh, message today. My brother-in-law put me on the spot, so <laughs> I turned over to him and I said, well, it had to go through the garbage in order to be firm in that foundation. Revelation, Holy Spirit, garbage. I mean, seriously, this was a garbage dump. That's true. He has to go through the garbage in our life. Don't get comfortable with the garbage. Don't. You know, when you go to these third world countries, you see all these children, they're, they're, they're rummaging through garbage. Um, what do you call those things? Uh, landfills. Yeah. And they're comfortable in their surroundings. Don't get comfortable in the landfill. The enemy could quickly fill your life with a lot of garbage. And you get nothing, no nutrition out of garbage. I don't care. You know, you, I saw this documentary where they take garbage and they turn it into food. I'm sorry. You could put that on your table, but it ain't, it ain't hitting my table. I'm sorry about that. Right? 
garbage is garbage. What about those situations where, there, where there's no way to go but through it? You can't go backwards. You can't. You have to do, there's no other way but through it. How many times we like to say, oh, I wish I could go back another, another 10 years before I met this man. Oh, my goodness. If I had, you would have done the same thing. You would have just been repeating the same old thing again. Oh, if I had only known this before I had all these kids. Oh, you would have had the same kids. The same number of kids. Why do we act like having, you know, making kids is such a task? The task is after they're born. The joy comes in the making. Hallelujah. He's ever present. He shows up even when we don't recognize him. Oh, I love this part of the scripture. Right? Jesus is in the tomb. It's three days later. There go the women. There goes Mary Magdalene. She's going there because her heart is so heavy. She wants to see the Lord. If I could just see your body. If I could just touch you. I know you're there. You know, she's, she's just going at such an early the, the daybreak. You know, she's headed out there. And she goes to the tomb, is open. She sees his grave clothes there, folded, nicely folded, right? On the tomb, right? And I read this and I said, it's the first time that I thought, why would she think that Jesus is running around naked? I, I thought this. Why would she think that Jesus is running around naked? His grave clothes are there. She sees a man nearby, and she doesn't recognize Jesus. Not because she didn't recognize his face, but she didn't recognize his clothing. And he was, the scripture tells us, let's read it. John chapter 20, if I didn't mess up this one. John chapter 20, verses 14 to 16. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Right? Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to Mary. No, I'm sorry. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So I, I love this about the way God does things in the scripture. When I told you that he didn't just by coincidence pick this garden of Gethsemane, but he was, he was making a statement to our enemy that where it started, it was ending. It started in a garden of Eden. It's ending in the garden. And the one who had always been the gardener of the garden was God himself. And so he's dressed as a gardener and she did not recognize him. How many times is God surrounding us in our times of trouble and we do not recognize him? We don't recognize his voice. We don't recognize his touch. We don't recognize his face. We don't recognize him. We're so immersed in our situation that we, don't not, we do not recognize him. 
and it took her a moment to hear his word. His, her, her, his, her name um, spoken for her to be able to say, wait a minute, this is Jesus, right? This is Jesus. And we need those moments of clarity when we can say, wow, I could still feel Jesus. My life is in a turmoil. There's a storm all around me. There's decisions and problems and situations and everything is just stirring around me. But in the midst of all of that, you hear that one voice coming through that you pinpoint and you know that it's Jesus. And he could come to you with a verse that is spoken to you. He can come to you with a word that is a letter that Ceci sends to you. You know, she's, she's so wonderful with these letters of inspiration. She'll send you a letter that will totally just give you the energy and the strength to keep going. You know, a prayer that comes through from Vanessa just gives you the energy to keep going through all these situations. God is ever present. Stephen lost his grandmother this week. My brother Stephen over here. Ever present. God is ever present in our moments of pain and sorrow. You're going to miss her. God is ever present there. He will use the unexpected to show himself. And faith in knowing, just you have to have that faith, believing God because he said it, not because your eye has seen it. You know, we believe by faith. Faith, not by seeing. The world has to see to believe. But we believe and we see. We believe and we see God. Right? So, this is where I'm going to stop today. Can you pray with God a little? I encourage you to take every day and add to your prayer life. Add, you know. Take a few, a few scriptures from the word. You don't know where to start. Start in the gospel. Get to know Jesus. Get to know our promise maker. Get to know our miracle worker. Just get to know Jesus and pray a few, read a few verses from the gospel and pray a few, you know, minutes. Start with a few minutes. But increase your prayer life. This church has always been founded on prayer. If you've been with us long enough, this is 24 years in ministry, 24 years, you know that this church has moved on its knees. God has been faithful because we're faithful to him. Now, don't step back and leave it to two or three. No, join this movement of prayer. We, right now, where things are going on in this world, our president needs a lot, of, a lot of prayer. Whether you believe in his politics or you're not, or you don't, is irrelevant. The Bible does not tell us whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican or an independent. This is how you should pray. No, the Bible says that God appoints the good and the wicked. God appoints them for divine purposes for his people. And so we have to pray for our president, whether we like him or not. I'm not asking you whether God is not asking you whether you like him or not. God is telling you to pray. Why don't you pray for some wisdom? Why don't you pray for restraint of, of, of his tongue if you're that concerned about what he says and does? His fingers. No tweeting. Tweeting? Tweeting? 
bleeding, right? <laughs> Why do another? Right? Pray for all of these things that upset you about our government. Pray for that. This city needs help. With everything that's happened with our mayor, we need help. Right? And so we should be praying for all of these things. We should be praying for the schools. Our kids are going back to school now. They need help. These teachers need help. They need wisdom. Right? We need to pray for that. There's so much to pray about. Look at your neighborhood. Don't complain about your neighborhood. Pray about your neighborhood. Pray about it. Pray about your next-door neighbors. Right? Pray about your relatives. And in this day, we are so close to the end of time that we should be praying, Lord, save every single one of my relatives and loved ones. You should be praying. I can't believe there's no one here that doesn't have a relative that doesn't serve the Lord. Is there anybody here that doesn't have a relative that doesn't serve the Lord? Is there anyone here that has zero relatives? Because you, that, that can say, every single one of my relatives are all saved. There's not too many of us that can say that. I think more of us can say, I have relatives that need Jesus desperately. I would say the majority of us, right? There's a few of us that all of our relatives are saved, but there's a majority of us here who have relatives that have backslidden, relatives that, don't, that never knew the Lord. See, I have a few myself. I have a few nephews that need Jesus. And whenever I get the chance, I tell them, you need Jesus. And they go the other way. But that's okay. Because they're going to remember me telling them they need Jesus in the difficult time. See? And so we, there's so much to pray for. Our children, our grandchildren, you know, our, our, our friends, our dear loved friends. We have friends that we love that we know don't serve the Lord. Right? So there's so much to pray for. So on a prayer night, this place should be full because you got so many petitions to pray about. Ain't that right? We have so much to pray about that on prayer night, this place should be packed. And think, can you give, can you pray with him a little? 60 minutes. This is what Jesus was saying to them. Can't you pray one hour with me? So Jesus is asking you the question, can you pray one hour with Jesus? Oh, don't ask me that question. That was for the disciples. No, you personalize, personalize the word. Can you pray with him for one hour? And let me encourage you, if you want to increase your prayer life, we are living in the end times. The end of the end times. So we're getting there. We're getting there, and I've heard so many prophetic words lately from Muslims. I was just hearing a Muslim prophetic word yesterday, and the Muslim, you know, was saying how Jesus uh, made himself visible to him and real to him. And in that vision he had, a Muslim, not knowing Jesus, not knowing the gospel, not knowing the word, Jesus told him, I'm closer than people think. That's a Muslim. And we, part of the body of Christ, should be feeling and sensing that we're coming to the time of Jesus calling us, rapturing the church. We're coming to that time. He's going to rapture the church. And you better be ready. This is the one time that you don't want to be late. Seriously, 
When that trumpet sounds, all of us that are late all the time, when that trumpet sounds, it is waiting. I'm going to get ghetto. It ain't waiting for nobody. When that trumpet sounds, you better be ready to hear it and for your spirit to respond. See, those are the things we should be praying about. God, I want to be ready. I need to be ready. I need my family ready. I want to be able to, we pray as pastors. We pray, Lord, this church needs to get ready. I want to look to my left and to my right, and I want to see the people of this congregation right along with us. That's important. Let us bow our heads and let us pray. Let us pray. Now, if you need individual prayer, if you need prayer for this, I'm going to tell you to stand wherever you are. If you need prayer for this, you need, God, I just, I just need you to do something in my life that is going to make me more sensitive to, to your word, to make me more sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that I want to pray and talk to you because I have things to talk to you about, Lord, but I'm afraid to approach you. And when you respond to me, I, I need to be able to see that it's you that's talking to me. And so, Lord, I need revelation in your word. I need revelation through your spirit. I need to get out of this dark place that I'm in right now, Lord. I can't see you, but I just need one ray of light in the midst of my darkness, Lord. I just need one ray of light. Let us pray. Father, we know that you are faithful, and we know that you are true. There is nothing, Lord, that we will go through that you are not with us. Thank you for that care. Thank you for that protection. Thank you for the way that you love us, Lord, which is a love like no other. Thank you for the love you give me, Lord. And I want to be able to return to you at least one part of that love that you give me, Lord. I could never love you as much as you love me. But, Lord, I want to be able to love you with everything that I have. And so, Lord, as we pray, my brothers and my sisters who are on their feet, Lord, they're, they're desperate for you. They're hungry for you. They want to be able to see you through their situations. So, Lord, I pray that they quickly can come out of their situations. I pray, oh, Lord, that they may see your hand turned on their behalf. I pray, oh, Lord, that they may be able to hear your whispers and your direction, that they may be able to feel the peace in their heart that comes from knowing you. So, Lord, thank you for all that you give us, for all that you provide for us. And I pray just special blessings on our visitors today, Lord. Let them see your hand turned on their behalf from this moment forward. We thank you for all these things in God's people's sin. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed.